Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Once more on the Brandon and Evan show, this on our uh, topical topical one, we uh, were discussing what we were going to maybe call this one. We were trying to pin it down and having a, a little bit of difficulty in pinning it down. So I thought, you know what? Let's just start recording. <laughs> Let's just continue the discussion as it is because it's all in kind of the same wheelhouse. Because... Um, Brandon, you're very you're you're very inspired and and excited about some some things you've been figuring out over the last couple of days. So I'm just gonna pass it off to you, and I, I'm just gonna give you permission <laughs> to get up on your soapbox <laughs> right, right off right off the top, right off the top, right away, right away. Well, you know, I, I as like as you were saying, I'm like, yeah, I mean, missing the prelim of this conversation, you know, like. And us just trying to figure out, like, what the hell are we about to talk about was actually interesting yeah. in and of itself. And, um, yeah, I mean, I came here excited today because, uh, well, basically, I'll just give out a, a shout out to Frank Kern, who's basically like, I mean, people call him like a marketing guru or whatever, you know, super successful guy. Um, but, and I shared a video uh, with you of him, and I've been watching a lot of his stuff recently. Yeah, and, and that video was excellent. We'll, we'll provide a link to that yeah, um, with yeah. the blog, because it is really terrific. Yeah, and I mean, whether you're a marketer or not, I think, um, you know, there's a few videos that, like, everybody should listen to, or I think would benefit from. I don't know if you should or shouldn't, but you'd benefit from listening to him, because he's, like, in my opinion, just a very authentic person, and his his MO is all about thinking about other people and how to help them. And it's so amazing because he's constantly explaining to people, like basically think about other people, think about what they want and what their experience is like and give them a good experience and like stop trying to get things from them. You know, obviously like at a certain point you have to ask for what you want, but he's like all about earning your way with people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and with that video that you shared with me, one of the big things, his key points that he's saying was have empathy for people. Yeah. <laughs> like be empathetic. Like it's just, and it's this, uh, it's this beautiful thing of, of this blend between, you know, yes, you do have this service or this commodity or something, you know, to give to people. Um, but that doesn't mean you know, I think that business oftentimes it, it, we have a lot of these negative ideas around it. You know, this concept of selling, selling mm-hmm. someone that you've got to do something that's really, you know, immoral in some way, you know, you like, you've got to, you've got to somehow trick people, you know, in, in sales, quote unquote, right? Yeah. <laughs> when it's like, it's actually, it's, it's really about being authentic, really understanding, um, where people are having difficulties in their lives and how you, how you like with what you know, and from your experience, how you can actually help somebody and connecting with that. And I think that that's a really remarkable flip on what we traditionally think of as business. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, it is we think of selling or being sold as something like, I don't want this thing and you're going to trick me into getting it. 
um, and and hopefully if it's good enough I'll find out I do want it and if it isn't then uh, boo on me because I made a mistake and trusted you but like you know Frank Kernan uh, and he's not the only one there's a lot of other marketers mm-hmm. and people that talk about this stuff but I think he's he's definitely one of the best one of the most brilliant out there but he uh, I mean he just constantly points to the fact that like you're already looking for it you already want it like it's not like it's not like, uh, you know, and, and if we're trying to sell something to someone who doesn't already know they want something, I mean, that's where sales and stuff like that, I think gets a bad name because people are trying to sell people who don't really want stuff. And if you look at like traditional marketing, and for those of you who are like actors and musicians and filmmakers, this relates, believe me, like, trust me, yeah. honestly, don't trust me. I'll prove it to you in a moment, but it <laughs> totally relates because, you know, <clears throat> like, people, people are already out there in the world already want stuff. You know, I want stuff. People want stuff. We all want stuff. Now the thing is, is like, what if someone came along and said, Hey, you know, Evan, I know you really want that Ferrari, right? So here, I'm going to give it to you for free for nothing. Just go drive around for a week. Tell me if you like it because you've always wanted to do it. So you know what? And I know that about you because I've been thinking about you. So here I have this Ferrari for you. Go drive it around for a week, a month, whatever. And then come back and tell me what your experience of it was. And you go, amazing. Now I just helped you have something you already wanted to have. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I might say, well, listen, you know, like you've driven the Ferrari around for a week, you know, and like, you might go, well, the first thing you're thinking is, well, I don't, I, I don't have a Ferrari because I, I can't afford a Ferrari. And I say, well, maybe not this Ferrari, maybe you can afford this Ferrari. And so then I look and I go, okay, well, what would it take? How would we make this work if you really want to have the Ferrari? Maybe it doesn't actually cost what you think it's going to cost. And then all of a sudden you realize, hey, like, I thought this Ferrari was going to cost me $100,000. And in fact, it only cost me like $5,000 or $10,000 or whatever, or a few hundred dollars or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden you go, I never even realized this was achievable. And then I not only helped you have the experience, but I also kind of gave you the thing you wanted and now you're driving around with it in a, in a world that you didn't even know was possible. That's, that's what selling is. Like if people realize that that's what it is, is you already wanted it. And really it was someone else came along, helped you have it and helped you do it in a way that you didn't know was possible. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what people are doing. And so like, if you look at it, like, um, if I look at it, like, well, how do I benefit from selling this Ferrari to Evan? I'm doing it all wrong because I'm thinking about what I want. Yeah. Right. But you might not even want a Ferrari. You know, maybe you want a Porsche or you want a BMW or you want to drive around a Honda Civic. I don't know. But the thing is, is like what really matters from my perspective, if I'm the auto dealer or whatever, is that I know what you want is that I think about what you want and why do you want it? Why do you want the Ferrari? Like what, what is the Ferrari doing for you? And you know, the other thing too is what if you, can't afford the Ferrari. Like I'm, I'm going to go off here. Yeah. Well, what if, what if you can't afford the Ferrari? Like logistically it just doesn't work, right? There's no way to fandangle that. It's like, yeah. but what you want in the experience of the car might be different than someone else. For example, maybe you want to drive the Ferrari because you just want to experience what it's like to go really fast. You know what I mean? That's really what you want to do. Or you want to drive the Ferrari because you want to experience what it would be like to be the cool guy where everyone's looking, or you want to drive the Ferrari because you just want to know what the experience would be like. All of those things are very, very different. So in some ways, like you have a different, a different drive and 
my being able to understand what you want and care about that is what's going to help deliver it to you. Because first of all, you might not want to own the Ferrari. If you realize that, you know, the oil change is $10,000 every time you got to do one, you know, <laughs> you might go, you know what, actually, now that I realize that, I, I just want to drive a Ferrari for a little bit. And then I'm fine with actually another car like a, like a Honda Civic or some other like model that just goes fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so then the thing is, is like, what's, what's interesting about this is that I think that, that if you, like, we're always being sold, we're always being sold something. The thing is, is that most of the time we don't know it because we already want it. Yeah. It's when we buy something because we're trying to like, or we're doing something because we're trying, like, we're unauthentic about it. We're basically trying to like make someone happy or get someone off our back or do something right. Or, or we're just worn down. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you had, imagine you had everyone around you and, and this goes for anything. It doesn't just go for marketing. It goes for just life in general. What if you had people all around you who were just there looking out to try and help you get more of what you already wanted? Can you imagine how good life would feel? And I mean, this is like really what you want to do is you want to surround yourself with people who are trying to do that. So instead of us trying to get our agendas met all the time, if we start to look at like, you know, how am I going to be with people? How am I going to get people more of what they want? Of course, you're going to get what you want because everyone around you is going to go, this person helped me do this. They helped me do this. They helped me do this. I want to help them too because they're always there helping me. I don't ask for it. They just go out of their way to help me. Of course, I want to help them. You know, in the moment that if I've, if I've helped you several times, right. And now all of a sudden, you know, I say, Hey, you know, um, are you interested in this? I already know it aligns with what you, what you want. It will help me. You know what I mean? You might even go out of your way and say, Hey, how can I help you? Actually, this is interesting because with the movie maker school, this has been happening a lot. Like it's been happening a lot is where people will, my clients will, will call me and say, Hey, you know, do you need help filming something? Do you need help doing this? Because they're just grateful that they're getting helped. And it's, it's an interesting thing, but I, I, my, shift with Frank Kern, like listening to his stuff has just made me realize that like, even in spite of that, in spite of people, in spite of me helping people now and then, yeah, I'm thinking way too much about myself. And I think we all are. This is the big discovery. Right. And the, and the thing is, is when you're thinking about yourself, you're, you're, you're really working in a world of scarcity because basically you're out there, you're thinking about how to get, you're thinking about how to get yourself where you need to be. You're not going out of your way to help anybody because you're only going to help them if they're going to give you something back. So no one's really trying to help you because they're all doing the same thing. Yeah. But if you're in a world where you're like, you know what? My, my shit's taken care of. No problem. I'm good. Right. So I'm just going to go and help people because if I have everything that I need, right. If I perceive the world as I'm totally fulfilled, I'm totally complete. Then I'm just going to look at, okay, well now that I'm complete and I don't need anything, what would I do? I would probably go out and help people. And the thing is, is if I go and help people, they're constantly like, every time I'm around you, my life is better. I benefit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in, in, in a, in a way they're going to like, you know, they're going to want to help you in some, in some way, unless, unless maybe they're a person who's just in a really bad place in their life. But even if they are, who cares? You know what? I helped them. I helped their life out to some degree. You know, I don't have to be, I don't have to like, I decide if someone takes advantage of me or not. Right. Yeah. But if I'm already out there to help people and I'm not looking for something back, of course things are going to come back. I mean, it's, it's like 
the law of reciprocation. It's just going to happen. Like yeah. that you don't, you know, if you push a wave across a pool, right, it's going to hit the wall. It's going to come back at some point. It has to, you know what I mean? There's, there's an effect in the world. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so I kind of went on a talk there, but yeah, no, I, and there's so much more to dig into this. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many, and, and the ways that, that it apply it. I like this idea of, of, um, yeah, like how we see ourselves, you know, in scarcity. I've also, this is a concept that's also, uh, I've, I've come across before where it's, you know, like a large, you know, most of us, especially in the Western world, I would say we, um, we see ourselves as lacking, you know, which would be another word of for, but that was the word that I, and I'm like, Oh, this is kind of the same thing, scarcity or lacking, you know, we see ourselves like as, as we don't have, you know, like I don't have this, I don't have that. I so I, I can't, I just can't give, give this to people. I can't help people because I have nothing for myself mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it's, and, and I think it's a very destructive way of thinking for one. I mean, you're writing yourself off, you know, as saying like, Oh, like I can't, you know, I, I can't do anything because I just don't have all of these things. And that's, you know, that's, for the most part, that's kind of bullshit. That's something that we, that we tell ourselves, like, like certainly, you know, like probably everyone's had hard times, you know, like where, where things aren't coming in, but by shutting yourself off, you know, and becoming, becoming self-focused, um, I, I think that you just, you really just amplify those problems. Yeah. I like, think so. you just, you just give them more f- you, by giving them your attention, you just fuel them even further, you know? And, and I think that we've all met those people or know people or being who, them or being them. <laughs> a- absolutely. You know, and like where, where we've just been just like, you know, you're, you're, you, you start, I think it turns into the blame game, you know, like the, the, the people who, who they, they're just blaming everything and everyone for their problems. And, and yeah. And it's just like, a, and, and they're just so like, like, it's almost like there's a storm, like there's just a cloud around them, you know? And, and it's like, everything's just a huge problem all mm-hmm. the time for them, you know? And there's very little joy in these people's lives. Yeah. I think it is it's because this thing is like, you, it's people who see themselves as not having as lacking and be, have, of scarcity in their lives. Um, and then it's like this self protection <clears throat> mode, you know, and then, but all you end up doing is just, you focus on your problems. And, and so by focusing on them, you make them bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it gets so out of control. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I've been there. I've done that. I literally, everything you're saying is I've been that person. Like I, I'm not even kidding. I mean, I've blamed and walked around and been depressed and thought about how, you know, um, and just feeling like I'm not good enough and feeling like I'm not lovable and like, what's the point and all this other stuff. And, um, it's hard to come out of that. You know, it's hard because you're in the inertia of the feeling and the thought pattern and whatever. Um, it was hard for me. Um, but you know, I think the thing that I, the thing I'm realizing more and more, and and like, I'm not going to attempt to explain this on this podcast, but there's another video. We'll attach a couple of them. Um, yeah, but I can vouch for it. Cause I, like there's basically this talk and I hope these videos stay up for a long time, but basically it's one of those very famous talks by Frank Kern. He talks about your core identity and how to identify it. And he asks a series of questions and the, the, the point is to answer the questions, not from what you want to get, 
but from the experience you want to have. And he basically in the video breaks down how we're not actually after goals or things or accomplishments or any of that stuff. We're after experiences. We think those accomplishments, those goals, those things will give us an experience. So if you cut out, like, you know, basically what we do is we cut out the middleman, which is the experience, right? Like, but you, you know, you cut out the whole idea that I need this goal to experience this thing. I can just experience it. I could, there's so many other ways in which I could experience this. Then you realize that like, you're not, you're not bound to those things. You don't need those things anymore. So once you realize, Hey, like I can, and I know, like, I know this is like a, watch the video and you'll understand, (laughs) do the work. You'll understand what I mean. But, but basically like what happens is you ultimately through this process, you realize that all my stuff is covered, you know, like I realized, I'll tell you what the shift I had after watching the video and doing the work was that I realized that my whole life is basically just a playground. It's basically like, and this is how I see the world, you know, treat, when I go right down to my core of who I am and I, and I stop trying to pretend to be anything and have this image, which I've done before way too much, way more than I like to admit. But if I get down to the core of who I really am, my whole world's a playground. All I want to do is I want to build a better playground. I want to create more games on it. And I want to invite my best friends to come play with me. That's essentially what I want to do in life. Like my whole life is I want to go knock on people's doors, call them up and say, Hey, you want to come together and do this thing you want to create? Do you want to do whatever, whatever? How does that have anything to do with whether I win an Oscar or whether people know who I am or whether I run the biggest movie school in the world? None of that stuff matters. But what matters is the experience that I have. But these things happen because when you are connected to your, your core, whether you know it or not, when you're connected, you facilitate really good things happening in your life. But like Frank Kern was pointing out, and I, I found this to be true too, where he had everything that he thought he wanted and he was miserable. And you hear this so much, you know, you hear these stories from like famous people, successful people that oh, are yeah. depressed and whatever. And he basically breaks down why that is because when you, he calls it your core identity or shell identity, doing a quick summary. But it basically, when we are basically trying to get goals, but we're not connected to the experience we want to have, not connected to our core, what ends up happening is we build that same shell in other people around us. But that's not what we want because we're pretending to be something. We're, we're being false. And so we're surrounding ourselves with things we don't want because it's not our core. It's actually yeah. the representation of our false self built out in the world. So like we think we want it, but then when you get it, you're empty because you know you were a shell when you built it and you built another reinforcement to your shell. That's it. Yeah. It's a trap. It's, it's hilarious. Oh, I mean, I mean it's, it's and we, and we know it's so funny because I feel like we, like we know this and we've been, we've been communicating this like, and I mean this in a sense of like, as like humanity, Yeah, we've been communicating this idea for such a long time. Um, you know, like as you were talking, I was just like, you know, that, that sort of expression is like, Oh, they got their eye on the prize, right? Got their eye on the prize. And, and, and it's always said with this thing of, of like, Oh, like, like, it's not a great thing. You know, it's like, because it blinds you, you know, you're so focused on this thing that you don't like, it almost like you, when you do that in your life, it, you completely, yeah, it blurs out all the peripheral and and where you are right now, because you're not looking, you're not looking at the experience that you're actually having, 
you know, as it's going on your way to this thing, Mm because you've just been looking, staring at this thing and maybe you get there and maybe, but maybe you don't either. Right. Doesn't really matter. I think this is what, you know, you were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but whether you get it or not, doesn't really matter because the experience is what you're really after. And if you're not, if you're not making your goals based on the experience that you want to have, then you're, you're on a path to some trouble more, most likely, because whether you get it or not, like you got your eye on the prize and that's it. And that's your sole function. Next thing you know, it's like, maybe you get there and you look back and you know, there's this whole like wave of destruction that's behind you, or you look down and you're cut and you're bleeding and you're bruised and you're in pain. Yeah. You know, like, because you've just been like smashing through stuff and like just putting yourself in harm's way. Well, worse, you hurt yourself. You hurt other people on the way there. Yeah, no, that's the real damage. That's the real damage. Cause now you have to look back and you have to acknowledge the fact and, and you can, you can try to dismiss it and you can try to lie to yourself and you can try to pretend that it's not there, but you will have hurt people in the process of getting what you're after, who you cared about, who mattered to you, who were important, who were vulnerable, and they will be in the wake and sen- in a sense of what you've done. Right. And so yeah. this is the real problem because you have to live with that. So, you know, like, for example, if you, what's the thing you want the most in the world? Let's just like, just, just pick a goal that you thought you always wanted, whatever could be that I thought that I always wanted. Yeah. Cause I know in this talk you're going, wait a minute, I don't really want it anymore, but yeah. let's just pretend, right? You know, I just pick something. Just, it's it's I, random. Doesn't like matter. I always wanted to win an Oscar. Okay, great. So let's say that to win that Oscar, all you had to do was, was kill this old woman. <laughs> oh yeah. That's all I got to do. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's take it back a notch. No, I wouldn't do that. Okay. What if you had to basically make her bankrupt? What if you had to basically make her go without food for a month? What if, you know, and I'm just trying to give you the example because the thing is, is, is it really that important that you get this thing? If the price meant that someone else would, it would hurt their lives, right? And more than one person, you know what I mean? Most likely, would it still be that important? Do you really, does it really matter? And the thing is, is if you like, for the people who are saying, no, I don't really care. You know, I think what's happening is you're like, that's a, that's a warning sign that you're really disconnected from yourself. You're really disconnected from, cause that means that you are really willing to do that to yourself. Would you be willing yeah. to win the Oscar knowing that you would basically like kill yourself doing it, that you would never walk again, that you would lose the people that you love. Like if you can't think about it with empathy about another person, would you do it to yourself? Right. And the thing is, is that in a, in a sense, like what if you knew you could, you could win the Oscar, but in the process you could have made so many people's lives better, right? You could have improved their life. Like, like when you were up there on the stage, there would be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people going this. It's so good that this person won because the things they've offered and created and helped my life, I really am looking at them going, they deserve it because I I want them to have it as opposed to having all these people that are like, you know, screw that person, you know, they're holding their Oscar and you know, everyone who doesn't know you doesn't care, but well, you know, it's the perfect, perfect tale and a classic piece of cinema 
that illustrates this point, this theme, this concept, the brilliant Orson Welles. And Orson, oh. yeah, Orson Welles. Yeah, not HG. <laughs> Orson Welles. You're talking Orson about the classic film. Um, Citizen Kane. Yeah. You know, that was like very, like most people will, will, you know, agree the wording might change a little bit, but the, the theme, the idea of Citizen Kane is what happens to a man if he gains the world but loses his soul, right? And that's kind of a movie that explores that whole idea. Um, and he obviously had his opinions on what happens <laughs> in that way. But I think for the most part, the reason why a lot of people say it's the greatest film ever made. Some mm-hmm. people think Citizen Kane's greatest film ever made. American Film Institute does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but that's not without reason. You know, like why it's in so many top lists because there's something about that story that we just connect to, that we watch it and we say, that is true. This is true. That there is something that is way more important than having shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like than having the, the accolades and awards or whatever, you know, like it's because it, it, it's all... It, it really is somewhat all meaningless at the end of it. You know, like, yeah, great. You know, if like you, if you win an Oscar, Hey, no, like I'm, I'm not going to dismiss that. That does have an effect, you know, or can have an effect, you know, like for a lot of, you know, they say it's like, Oh, you win an Oscar. That means that basically like you, your career is now basically set in stone from here on out. That's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know, like, but I mean, I, I suppose in recent years, like that's not really, really been shown that that's not, that's really not the case. You know, there's Oscar winners that just completely just disappear off the face of the earth. So there's no guarantees with anything. Anyhow, it's like, so great. Like what, what if you just like really hurt a lot of people on your way and you know what, you got your gold statue and now what? you know, you go back to your, to wherever your, your house in the hills by your, you know, where you're alone and you put that thing up on a mantelpiece. Is that thing going to, how much comfort is that going to lend you in in the night? You know, (laughs) like when years later, yeah, you know, yeah, great. You can always look and say, Hey, I won that. Well, you know, I, you know, and I, I think like, I'm thinking about the naysayers, which, you know, in some ways used to be me. But the, well, if I accomplish this thing, I will be happy. I will feel good. I will feel fulfilled, whatever. Sure. You know, the thing is, is what, I think what we don't realize, um, is that, and and this is just, I mean, this is the same for most people, especially in North American culture, in my opinion, but is that we, it's true. You probably will feel really good in accomplishing that, 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 that will feel really good. The problem is, is that like all material things, this has an expiry date. I don't know when that expiry date is, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Like for example, when you started walking and your parents applauded or whatever, or you brushed your teeth for the first time, or you did something and someone said that was really great at the time that might've been the greatest achievement of your life. But guess what? That isn't so great anymore. Now it's expired. Now you're on to the next thing. Now you need to do the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So when does it end? When does the, the, desire, the search, the whatever. And basically what happens is these material things, they lose their luster, these accomplishments, these whatever, they basically, um, they, they don't 
they don't fuel the fire the way that we think they do. Right. And like, and I think what ends up happening is, you know, you have, and you hear these stories all the time, but you know, famous people who are super depressed. I mean, there was a story that came out recently about the guy who was in prison break. Right. And there was this Mm. fat shaming thing on online. Right. Yeah. And he was a really skinny guy when he was in the show and you know, he was heavier and he shared, like, I was really depressed. You know, I wanted to kill myself. And I was just basically the only good thing I had was like eating this meal, you know, like having my next meal. And, you know, by all accounts, you look at a lot of actors right now, you look at a lot of people and they would say, well, if I was the lead in a show, it didn't matter what happened after I would have known that I accomplished that and I would be good. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Right. In fact, probably not, not at all. It would, you know, and, and it would only expire more and more over time because the other thing too is we, as we grow and as we evolve and as, you know, every place you get to, you know, you'll always realize there's, there's, there's a richer person. There's a faster person. There's, there's something more in some area that you haven't built that you'd want to feel complete. And now you're just constantly chasing, you know? Yeah. So here's the real problem in my opinion is I think that we have an industry which is based on materialism, based on marketing and corporations and all this other stuff. Think about how they can just get you to run around and chase these things and totally control you because now they control all the strings. Oh, you want this? Let me pull the string on that. Oh, you want this? Let me pull the string on that. You know what I mean? As opposed to being like connected to like, what's the experience I want to have? Because no one decides that except you. Yeah. Like it's a very empowering thing to do. Yeah. You could experience anything and be like, well, you know, I don't know. Like, like it's, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to explain. I'm still wrapping my head around this idea to some degree, but, but I I really think it's true. I mean, like, you know, when you're, when you're doing what you love most, when you're doing it and you're being who you want to be like your core, there's nothing that compares to that. There's nothing that feels better than that. Like I think about when I was a kid, you know, I use this playground analogy from describing myself because I connected with my core. I connected with the fact it's like, when have I been the most happiest in my life? Well, it's when I've gathered all my friends around and we played like cops and robbers, um, around the block that I lived in and everybody had their cap guns out and we were just doing it. Like there was no place to get to. There was no better place to be than experiencing that. No one was a better cop or robber. We were doing it together. We were doing like, and I think about that and I go, there's nothing that really like epitomizes it more for me. So what that tells me is I go, that's how I just have to be. That's how I have to live. I don't need to accomplish and do those things. But ironically, by doing this so full out and so authentically and so joyfully and so whatever, and, and having that benefit other people, of course, there's going to be benefits that come back from that. Yeah. You know, of course, because everybody else benefits from the person that say created the game in the first place. Right. So it's like, my goal is not to be the best. It's my goal is to create the game. So we all win in a way. That's what ends up making everything. Yeah. yeah and I like what you're saying. And, and I actually, I, I, I wanted to come to this uh, a little earlier. Um, but this is perfect. Uh, you know, a lot of, I, I, I feel like we, we need each other, you know, to say that we don't need each other. Like, obviously we do because there's so many of us, 
right? Like, it's just, it's not hard to see how much we all need each other. You know, like, like how, how much goes on in our cities and our towns and our communities where we rely on each other for certain things. We all rely on each other to, to perform something in our society, you know, for us to, to work a certain way and to have a certain kind of a, a, of a life for each other, you know, that that's a little bit better. That makes it a little easier to be happy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's not about, that's not about products. That's not about services. That's, that's about people. That is completely about people working together to make that's, that's all a city and a town is, is people working together we don't really see it that way. We don't really acknowledge it that way. And I know that there's people, you know, they, who feel very prideful about, it's like, Oh, I don't need anybody. You know, like that, like I, I'm fine on my own. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, you have to be like the most, <laughs> you know, the most active member of your community and that you need to be out learning everybody's name from around the block and this and that, and that you have to be chatting with everybody. I'm not saying that at all. You know, I, 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 don't even think that that's necessary. What I do think is necessary for us to live happier lives is to at least acknowledge the fact that we need each other. Well, I think you're onto something because I think it comes down to, and the word that keeps running through my mind, my mind is contribution. You know, contribution there is basically like, it's the wealthy man's word. It's the successful woman's word, whatever, you know, you want to call it. But the thing is, is that it is because when you have if you like, and I, I said this to you earlier, but like, if you had all the money you ever needed in, in life, you, you never needed another dollar. You could buy anything you wanted, do anything you wanted. And you had all the things you wanted. What would you do then? Right? You probably want to share those things. You want to experience it with other people. You would probably look at how could I use these things that I have to yeah. help other people's lives. And the, and, and the thing is, is, I can tell you this because I have several mentors and, um, people often, I actually teach in the movie maker course, how to attract mentors. But people often ask me like, how do you attract, how do you have these mentors? And I, and I, it's, it's two parts. One is that I, I surround myself with, with people who are in a place of abundance. You know, that's that, you know, if there's one thing and I haven't always been in my life and I, you know, I'm, I'm correcting that more and more. I'm realizing it. I'm kind of being slapped in the face a little bit right now in a really good way that I could be so much more abundant, but when people are really wealthy and they have a lot of things and things are going well for them, they don't look at a lot of the time what they can get more, at least not in my experience. They, they look at how they can give more. They look at how they can share more. I mean, just think about Gabe coming on here, right? Like he's running a, you know, he's public company as his own production company. He's doing million dollar movies and all this stuff. And he comes on our podcast just to help people out because for him, He's got, you know, he's got a lot to share. He's got a lot to give. I mean, and I think that's the thing is, you know, whenever I talk to a, a possible person about being a guest on this podcast, they're always usually really excited about it because they, because people want to share. I mean, why are we even talking? Like we're yeah. sharing, right? Like, yeah. I think it's contribution. I, I think we want to contribute. We want to give. You know? We do. I, I completely agree. And, and, you know, we're, we're fed so much a message of, of, you know, we're, we're selfish, self-serving creatures. I don't think, you know, like while we do act a lot in that way, I don't think that that's really who we are, you know, at, at our core, as you're saying, like at our core, I don't think that that's who we are. I, we, we want to help. We want to contribute. We want to be 
um, to have something of value to give. Mm-hmm. I feel like we are giving, giving creatures. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes we just, we, f- we forget that or we don't have the confidence in ourselves to bring that forward. You know, I, I feel like this is something that, that I've been discovering, like, you know, a lot of these deep seated things that I'm, I'm pulling, you know, coming out of the woodwork for me recently where I'm just, you know, I'm really beginning to acknowledge a part of me that, that really was just like, you know, I didn't, didn't see, has not seen my value in a lot of ways and being like, what am I, what am I giving to the world? Does anybody even care about this? I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm not the only person who has this stuff. It's like, well, well, who am I? What do I have to, you know what, if you're, if you have a passion about something, then please give it to the world, give it to the world because it it is valuable and the world does want your passion. The world wants your passion. Yeah, they do. I mean, you know, when, when people talk and it, it, when they're excited about something, you know, you, you kind of, and I don't know if, I just know about this about myself, but when someone talks about something and they're super excited about it, I start to get kind of interested. I get excited. I'm like, well, why are you so excited? Like, what is it about this? And I want to hear what you have to say because I want to be excited. I mean, I think that's something we're after, right? And so when someone's excited, you know, there's a, Brendan Burchard, he's another person who I, uh, you know, learn a lot from. And he wrote a book called The Charge. And and he talks a lot about that. He's like, you know, like the charged life, you know, like get like, and, and when you're excited about something, it's like, like excitement and energy have to be like, like electricity. They're like the same thing. You know, it's like you are, you are charged. You're like fully there alive. You know, you don't want to go to bed. You want to you know, you want to go do something, you know? And I think when you're like depressed and you're down, which I have been before, it's like, I have no charge. I have no energy, no excitement or whatever. And I think that, you know, people don't want to listen to that, you know, like they don't, they don't want to hear about that. Cause you got no, you're not given any energy. Right. But yeah. you feel empty. I think when you're depressed, you know, at least I did, I felt empty. Yeah. I felt like I had nothing to give. But when, when you realize you're so full, and I mean, even if you're depressed, the one thing I can say, if I was talking to myself right now and they were on the other end of this podcast, listening to this, I would say, you, you have so much to give. You need to go check in with that. You have so much to give. And and this is not just me, but anybody like you've lived this life. You've had these experiences. You've learned these things. All of that is, is, is something it's, there's something to contribute. I mean, even if all you're doing right now is you're selling shoes, which I did for a while, but you're selling shoes, <laughs> people need shit on their feet. <laughs> you know? yeah. We got a hard world that you're walking around on and people also, you know, they, they, and, and so if you're selling shoes, you, you know, if no one's there selling the shoes, if no one's doing that job, now it becomes really hard and difficult to get a pair of shoes, right? The thing is, is that someone has to do the job. You know what I mean? So wherever we are in life, we're always contributing, but I think we just don't acknowledge the fact that we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, absolutely. Because everything's become, we've, we've look at everything as such a, just like a commodity. Everything is just uh, some kind of a faceless, you know, a face, a faceless shell of yeah. something, you know, yeah. um, we take for granted all of this stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I, I honestly want to get into that whole idea of like, Oh, you know, like be grateful, but in, in a sense, it's kind of what you need to do. I mean, because by being grateful, you realize that like, 
Just my leaving the house and talking to someone else today contributed to the world. It, it, it contributed. You know what I mean? And so, in a way, I've already won. I, you know, the fact that we're having a conversation, I've already won the day. I've contributed to the world, you know? And, and I think, like, um, uh, who was it? Jack Canfield points out in his book, he talks about this thing. There's this one man, he's from, I don't know, he's Eastern European or something, and he came all the way over to America to live in America, and he learned English. And then he uh, started a business or whatever. He basically supported his family. And Jack was asking him basically like, okay, well, how do you, you know, how do you quantify success? And he's like, well, when I'm living in a mansion and I have a Ferrari and all this stuff. And he was basically pointing out the fact that like your need for success is so high that you basically have so much to accomplish before you can feel that. And the thing is, is like, he's like, look what you did. You moved across the world to another country, learned another language, built a business, took care of your family, like made a difference in people's lives and did things that faced adversity. And you're looking at it going like, you know, and the thing is, is yeah, yeah, you you know what? Maybe you'll get to the mansion, the Ferrari, the whatever, but you need to be at the mansion and the Ferrari right now. Yeah. Right. It is this, it it is, and it is a kind of insanity, isn't it? Like it's. that whole way of thinking. And the thing is, is that, you know, like we can look at, that's a very sort of a, almost an an extreme example in some ways, but we're all living it to a large degree. Well, can I I cut you off one second? Extreme example. I'll tell you something that's an extreme example. When I was so depressed that I didn't even want to get out of bed or leave my house. And I decided to get up and walk down the street to grab a coffee and just say something to another human being, have it even be the barista. That is an extreme. We don't realize that that's huge. That's massive because I could still be sitting in my bed right now and this podcast could not be happening and I could be depressed. But because I got out of bed and I went down, I got that coffee and I just did something other than sit in my place and sulk, which I know that there's someone else on the other line who's there. I know that. It makes me emotional because I think this, this is how far that I've come already from that spot. And I think that's extreme, you know, and like, it's extreme. And we don't realize these little victories are so huge. It, it really is. And, yeah. you know, I have, um, uh, a, a really great friend. I would love to have him on the show actually sometime, you know, yeah. Marco, uh, yeah. Marco Pasqua, who's a, who's a motivational speaker and, and very inspirational guy. Uh, in terms of like his message and, and what he's trying to do. Um, but I had somewhere I was going to go with this. Oh my God. It's, uh, this is the beer. What he's, what he's overcome. Is the beer. There's, is it the beer though? Maybe. Um, you know, Oh, I had something with this, but it was, um, I'm sure it'll come. I'm sure it will too. But we're um, talking about extreme victories. Yeah. We're or... talking about extremes. Um, these little things. Yeah. These little, Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, uh, he does him and his, him and his wife every month. They, uh, they, they buy a bottle of champagne and you know, uh, I don't know when it is like the end of the month or something like that, I think. Uh, and they, and they, they make a nice dinner and they pop open a bottle of champagne and they celebrate their wins for the month because we do, we, we, we're so, we don't recognize so much because again, we've got our eye on the prize, you know, Mm -hmm. the pie in the sky. It's like, or that's, 
but there are so many victories. And I mean, I can relate to you. Like I've, I've had my own, my own experiences with, with depression. Um, you know, like when I was, uh, when I was like earlier, like in my, my early mid, mid twenties, you know, I was, I was still living at home. Uh, and I was saying, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're on the other end and, and this is going on in your life, but Especially you know, not, this is, this is the way that I was, I was looking at it. You know, I was just, I had so much guilt, you know, and guilt is a kind of a, a horrible hell that depression I think comes from. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably where the majority of depression comes from is a lot of guilt that we feel. Um, and I was just like, and, and I didn't have a job. And I, I had almost no money. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Like I couldn't go out with friends very much. And, and, you know, and I I didn't feel, uh, like I could have a relationship with anybody because I'm like, I I live at home with my parents and I have no job. What do I have to offer? I've got nothing, Mm. you know? And it was, and it was this, it was a really dark place. And, and then what happened was I, I got a job. You know, it was like there was some, some degree of necessity out of it, but I got to such a painful place and I took a job that I was humiliated about doing and, but I did it. I did this job and I actually, I I worked up to another position within this company. And then from there I, I, I moved to another thing and I moved out, you know, I got my own place. I, I, I met who's now my fiance, you know, but like, and, and sometimes it's, like I, I have to remind myself of this place that I was in, you know, and it's just like, but I, you know, there are still points where, and today still, you know, obviously where I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this place that I want to go and, and I'm just like, Oh God, like, you know, like this is like, if only, if only this, if only this, I'm like, look how far you've come. Mm -hmm. Look what you've done. Like, this is all incredible like celebrate that celebrate these amazing positive changes that you made in your life based on things that you you wanted to have in your life. You know, you wanted love in your life. You wanted to have some financial freedom and it's like, and I've gotten all of that. And I, and it was funny because at that time it's like, Oh, if only I had this, then it would be great. Well, I've got all of those things now. You know, I'm like, and is it that great? Basic, oh, it's like, you know what? It is great, but you don't it need is great. But the thing is, is that like, I've, I, I've, you know, you move on. That's the, that's what the whole point is. Like, there's always, there's always, there's always the next thing. So you, you've got to learn to enjoy and appreciate the things you have accomplished, the things that we overlook as accomplishments. You know, it's, and, and it is sometimes just the smallest thing. It's getting out of bed. And going and, and yeah, like having a few words with somebody, you know, may, I, I, it's just the, sometimes it's just the smallest, the smallest things, the smallest of actions doesn't, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be some giant thing to, to be noteworthy. Um, there's, um, like there's, uh, this, this course that, uh, I've been, I've been doing, uh, sort of this course in oneness as, uh, as, as they call it in this group, um, you know, they, they talk about, um, miracles, you know, these miracles that happen in our lives that we just, we don't acknowledge. They say a shift in our perception is a miracle. And that there's also philosophically, there's actually no size of miracle. 
Hmm. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a small one. There's no such thing as a large one. It's it, a miracle is a miracle, right? And that could be something as big as getting out of bed and going out for a coffee. Yeah. That could be a fucking miracle, man. <laughs> so like start to learn to recognize these things because, you know, we're all in our own, in our own places. You know, we all like, we, we, we all have our own struggles and things that we're working through. We're all trying to get better, you know, like, yeah. and, and, and understand ourselves better and be more authentic to, to who we really are. And, and it's not always easy. There's ups and there's downs. The, and the best way to, to, to keep moving forward is, is I, I feel is to be grateful, you know, be grateful for, for things like truly grateful. And, you know, people say that all the time and they go, yeah, 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 yeah. Be the grateful, secret. you know, but, <laughs> but no, but there's this thing about, you know, sometimes people talk about, and, and I, I'm sure a lot of other people can relate to this, you know, like even with, with like my own parents, you know, like your parents say stuff, it's like, Hey, be grateful. There's kids starving in Africa. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, it's, it becomes just more guilt. Yeah. Right. Which doesn't help anything. I'm talking about be grateful for the things that truly are joyful in your life Mm -hmm. that you have. I guarantee you that you've got lots of things in your life that you are actually really joyful about. Learn to be to, to recognize those. Me and my fiance, every night before we go to bed, we, we tell each other three things that we were grateful for that happened in the day. It's a great, great thing to do. It's a great <laughs> exercise. You know, um, it's funny cause like gratitude has become this thing, which I feel is like, it's like a punchline, you know, it's like people <laughs> hear it and they go, yeah, yeah, be grateful. You know, of course be grateful. But I think what we don't, what we don't realize is that it's like, there, you know, and, and, and I think sometimes when we look at gratitude, we look, well, my life could be worse. It's like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like your life could be worse. This is how you're framing gratitude. Of yeah. course you don't want to do it. It's going to make you think <laughs> about a bunch of crap that you don't want to think about. And you know what? I'm not saying don't think about some of this stuff cause it'll build your humanity. But if you're looking at gra- gratitude as this chore, as this painful thing where it's like, well, my life's pretty shitty, but it could be worse. Like that's not gratitude. That that's like, that's totally not the message. No, that's just, that's just to me, that's like a further sort of, um, a numbing or, um, you know, like, uh, Oh, I wish I could remember, remember this, but it's, um, you know, the comfort, you know, it's like just creating a weird sort of a comfort for ourselves. It's just like, well, I'm doing better than these people. And it's like, well, (laughs) you know, does that, like, does that really get you feeling passionate? (laughs) Yeah. Does that get you feeling passionate about your life? No, no. (laughs) Thinking about how much worse off other people are does not make you feel more passionate about your own. No. And you know, here's the thing. This is the, this is my big discovery is that now I've experienced this in little bits in my life, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't realize why it was having such an impact, but it's absolutely clear to me now. And it's with basically with all this interaction with this Frank Kern content, really, I don't know. He puts it in a way I connect with him a lot where it really just helped me shift. Yeah. But everything that you and I have accomplished and probably most people out there in the world, we did it thinking about ourselves. 
We don't realize that that multiplies by 10 or 100 or 1,000 or a million when we think about other people and do it. And that might not make total sense, um, but let me explain. Basically, if I'm going about the world and I'm in a whatever spot I'm in, doesn't really matter. I could be super depressed or I could be super wealthy and just want more whatever. It doesn't matter. Technically, both people are in the exact same place, technically. And I'm thinking about how do I improve my life situation? I'm thinking about me and I'm dealing with the world as how can the world help me fix my situation or better my situation? How can it give me, get me, whatever my situation? But what we don't realize, and this is the crazy thing, and I can tell you this, I, I, I honestly believe this to be like the master key, is that if I'm in a position, doesn't matter, let's just, I'm going to go back to this depressed position, okay, where I'm in my bed, I'm in my house, I don't want to leave, it's the middle of winter, I don't want to walk down the street, <laughs> it's, it's dark, dark, it's raining, <laughs> okay, and I haven't talked to anyone all day, and I'm just feeling down, okay, I can look at how can I feel better? How can I improve my life situation? Or, and I know this is hard to do, but I, once you have the perceptual shift, it all changes, I think. But if you realize, how can I go out and just help someone else's life? Because you know what? There's probably someone else out there who's struggling. And I take that focus off me. Immediately, the moment I do that, whatever I was feeling, the moment that I do that, for the moments that I'm doing that, my depression, my feeling disappears. It's gone. It's it's irrelevant. Because now I'm dealing from a place of abundance. I'm actually thinking, okay, how do I help someone else? Now, here's the thing. If you have a lot of money and success and wealth and ability, and then you say, how can I help other people? You have more means to do it. You have more capacity You have more options, right? So yes, it is good to have money and success and acclaim and all this other stuff because yeah, it, can, n- it gives you more options. It's, it's nice, right? Yeah, there's nothing inherently wrong with it. No, no. And, and I think that people, I think it's good for people to aspire to be able to be more helpful, but not to aspire to get more. And the thing is, is if you think about it, like there's only one multiplier. If I try to help myself, it's me trying to help me. That's the only multiplier. But if, if I look and I go, how could I help 10 people? theoretically, those 10 people are a little more keen to helping me when I need it. You know what I mean? They're a little more, have a positive influence. Now, if I do that consistently over and over and over again, you know, that's how it happens. You know, and I, I, you were going to say something. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and to, to feed off of that, I mean, and when you do that, you, you put that out into the world and, and people that has an effect that has a ripple effect because we can, we can see the effects of that sort of me first attitude in our world right now. Yes. And I feel that that's, you know, this maybe just my opinion, but I feel like we've, we've, we're reaching the limits of that and it's not too hard to see, you know, like when you talk about like the 99% and the 1%, you know, like that's, that's that whole mentality of me first. I want more, 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 more. And the weird thing is, is like, while, and it is shifting, but you know, as people, like we point to these 1%, you know, who are like, and we go like you, and it's like, well, we're kind of the same though, as well. Like we're, we're still in that same sort of mentality too. Mm -hmm. 
you know, of, of just like, well, me first, but we excuse it as being like, you know, we create these excuses. It's like, well, it's because everyone else is doing this. Like, well, no, put like help other people, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it is, it completely goes against our thinking, how, how we're sort of trained to think initially, which is somewhat selfishly, but this amazing thing happens. I think when, when you begin to to learn and understand and act upon, it's like, well, what if I start thinking about how to help other people? And it actually makes perfect sense. Like it, when it makes completely perfect sense. Like if you want to help yourself, help others. Mm -hmm. Like that's like first and foremost, you put others before you and it will come back. And again, that's a message that we've been told throughout humanity for, for centuries, centuries, this message is like, it's like, think about others before you think about yourself yeah. and good things will come your way. Right. Like, but it's, it does take, you know, for risk of like people not liking this expression, but it takes a bit of a leap of faith. It does. You know, faith in other people, you know, and, and, and not needing those other people to help you. I mean, that's the key thing. Like, the key thing is you have to realize that most of the people you help don't need to help you back. That's not what it's about. I mean, if you're doing it to get help from other people, you've botched the whole exercise. It's not going to work anymore because like, like, you know, if you look at online marketing, for example, and you know, you look at these, um, like, uh, you know, whatever, I'm just going to talk about Frank Kern because he's a, he's an example, but you look at, you know, he was living in a, his story is he was living in a trailer park, you know, selling, like, trying to run a business, but he was running it into the ground, like, selling used cars or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. And he became multi-millionaire, one of the biggest, you know, self-made multi-millionaires in, in the online marketing community. And everybody's like, how do you do it, Frank? How do you do it? And every video, like, every thing he talks about, like, there's... Like, uh, like find a video where he doesn't try to say, this is how they're going to experience it. This is how I want them to experience it. I want them to feel like their, their life's benefiting and whatever. And, and basically by the time people work with him, it makes so much sense. But he pointed out in one thing, like he, there's two, two things I want to mention. One thing he said, most people that you help are never going to buy your shit. They're never going to work with you. They never, and like, if, if you're looking at it that way, you're, you're kind of like, it's not about that. Right. But the thing is, is that that small fraction of people that will actually buy your shit turns you into a multimillionaire. And then he pointed out to this woman who who did an interview, she ran into him at a bar. This is one that maybe we should attach it to, I don't know, whatever. But she basically asked him like, well, how do you deal with the rejection? And he's like, well, like what people aren't going to like me. I mean, like, it's not, this is going to happen. You know, he's like, he basically points out the fact is like, what am I going to do? It's like, I'm more public, more people are not going to like me. Like it's, it's not like, you know, in, in a sense, we're so worried about all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but the thing is, is that, you know, you, if you go out with this mentality of helping people, you know, I can, I can say like, um, you know, cause when we did Sol- soldiers of the apocalypse, that little web series I did it was a little web series. And you know, it's like, 
basically people would work in the rain, they'd work all day, you know, they'd go to crazy locations to film this show. We had 123 people at one point, and people would ask me, like, how do you build this team? Because we weren't really paying anybody, it was like all labor of love, and we had 123 people out at one point. And people were asking me, how do you do it? And I didn't know at the time, I actually, I don't even know what answer I gave, but I realize now is because at that time in my life, I was actually spending a lot of time really like making time for people and helping them out. And when I think about it, of course they came out to help me because I was a contributor. Like in a lot of ways, my goal, my motto at the time was everyone I touch turns to gold. That, and I have this written in my journal a thousand times. Everyone I touch, everything I touch turns to gold. I didn't realize that that was the master key, that I had stumbled across it. And basically, I used to think that my success was because I was such a cool guy. It was because I was a great guy, because I, you know, whatever. But what it really was is that everyone around me benefited. So, of course, they were going to help me out because it was a benefit to be around me. Like, it makes sense. Like, if you think about it, like, everyone's going out to help themselves. So, if something helps them, they're going to hang around with it, right? I don't know if they were genuinely trying to help me out. Like, they were like, I'm going to be there for Brandon because he really needs my help. Some people were. But I'm sure a lot of people were just like, hey, this is a great opportunity for me. Yeah. That's it. And, and you in, know what? That's fine. In turn, fine. that helped you. In turn, it helped me. This is the beauty of it. They weren't even trying to help me and they helped me. Yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful spiral of events. Like, and, and like, you know, this is all kind of becoming so clear to me now. And, and, and what I say is like earlier in this conversation, I said I stumbled across this because I did that in a way accidentally. I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. But I can tell you from my own life experience that I honestly, based on everything I've learned, that that was why I was getting that success. Yeah. You know, and I had banked enough good karma, if you want to call it, good energy, good mojo with people, where people were willing to, to not only um, go out of their way to help me, but tell other people about how I helped them and then get those people to help us as well. Because, you know, there was someone on set who I shot in his movie later and we were shooting on the set and we had this massive building. We had it all to ourselves. And, and I had this massive film crew. I should say we had this massive film crew um, of people building this like electronics and lights and, and all this cool stuff. And he said to someone who was very close to me, he said, I don't think like, I can't believe he's in my film. Like he's such a bigger deal than I am. And it was like an interesting thing because it wasn't like, like it wasn't anything like that. It was simply that he was there because someone said that he should come help out on this project and he was there helping us. And it, like, it wasn't that I was a big deal. I'm not special. I'm not the best director in the world. I'm honestly not the best producer or whatever, but I was just creating something that had value. And then he was benefiting from me. He was looking at me like I was a big deal, but I love doing his film because I want to do films and I want to do that stuff. And like, and later he and I became friends, but it was an interesting kind of thing because his perception was really just based on the fact he, he only showed up there because someone else said to him that it was a really cool show and that everybody was having a good time and people were. So he showed up and then he saw it and he saw what the effects are of people having a good time are. And he felt intimidated in his film thinking that like, like, I didn't even, like, honestly, at the time, I didn't realize how I had built this thing. Yeah. Like, it, it was kind of accidental, in a way. And, and like, 
I only think I built it because I'm on a soap, I'm at two soapboxes today. <laughs> I think I only built it because um, I was so passionate about the project and I really genuinely wanted to do it and I thought it would be fun. Goes back to the whole playground thing. I wanted to build a great playground and I wanted to invite all my friends to it. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but that's essentially what I was doing. And the effects were amazing. And then when I stopped doing that, of course I got depressed. I mean, I got depressed because I stopped building the playground. I made the playground wrong. I made what I needed to get from the playground the most important thing. And it wasn't about that. It was about everybody getting together and making something they cared about. And and I can tell you that like one of the most joyful times in my life, not just playing cops and robbers, was making that show. You know, I was making it with my best friends. I was making it with all sorts of amazing people in the industry. And Crash or Burn, you know, with that project, it was a really truthfully amazing time for me in my life. And, and that's it, you know, it, you know, and I, I had all these hopes and dreams that the show would be my big thing that would make me famous. And I would, I did, to be honest, Yeah. but that didn't happen. And I don't know if it ever will, not from that show. But, um, but what I realized was that none of that stuff matters anyway, because it never is going to change the experience that I had. Yeah. And, and I thought about this a lot because I was, as I said, I was really depressed. I got really, really depressed after this show when it, when it ended and things kind of crumbled. And I was, I was really depressed. But when someone asked me, well, would you take it back? Would you not do it? Like, imagine you didn't do it and you win a different way. That to me is the scariest idea in the world. Like I would never have learned what I learned. I never would experience what I experienced. And it really truthfully is like Frank Kern's right. It's your experience that matters, not your goals all these goals and all this other stuff, they're kind of, they get you acting like in a lot of ways, but they don't matter. What mattered was the life experience. Yeah. Anyway, that, that was my second soapbox. So yeah, no, that's, that's all I get. That was, that's, <laughs> that's fantastic. It's beautiful. I, but I think this is the thing, you know, like, um, I, I don't know. Like, I think this is the thing that we need to understand. Like when we're doing what we love and we're, I mean, you don't, I don't think you have to go out of the, out of your way to like, I don't necessarily know if you have to try to like, be like this humanitarian where you just go to try to make everyone's life, life better. I don't know if that's necessarily what it's about, but the effects of participating in that are so good that you almost will want to be because you'll realize that like every great thing that really like happens in life is because people contributed to it. Like for example, if there was the Oscars and no one contributed to it, no one watched the Oscars anymore and most people who were famous like didn't show up because they knew they wouldn't win, how good would the Oscars be? Everyone contributes to it being there, right? Yeah. And so, like, and, and uh, um, Frank Kern actually pointed out, and I'm saying his name over and over, but whatever, he was pointing out how the Oscars is really just a community of people who support each other in the arts. Yeah. And he said that's really what we're all doing in whatever medium we're in. We're all a group of people supporting each other. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. But again, we don't like oftentimes we don't even, we don't even see it as that way. Yeah. Again, got our, we've got our eye on some other thing and we're missing out on what's happening right in front of us. Right. Um, yeah, that's great. There's, there's so many applications I could say. It's like, this is like, <laughs> this is, this supplies, this is like exactly what Meisner is, but <laughs> well, it is, isn't it? I mean, there's a, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of parallels to Meisner. It's like when you, when like one of the big things is like take attention off of yourself Yeah. and amazing things happen 
in your acting when you take the attention off yourself. But I mean, when that goes for life, you know, you, amazing things happen when you take the attention off of yourself. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I feel like this is pretty good. Uh, I want to talk about the beer just, uh, before we yes. maybe wrap things up. Um, this so is from, uh, Steel and Oak once more, um, who, who help the world by making great beer <laughs> for people who love to drink beer. We've never had this one before. Uh, no, we've had their smoked lager before, I believe. Mm-hmm. And maybe is this another smoked? smoked this is their smoked half of ice. Yeah, I was going to say that. I thought this yeah. was smoked because I was like, this is their smoked half, which is one of their, you know, one of their mainstays, uh, on their, on their menu. And it is fantastic. It is really good. You know, as it's kind of like, you know, almost, I mean, maybe some people wouldn't like this, but it's kind of like a beer. Like it's like a, a beer that is like a, a whiskey or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not, not, but it's really, not heavy. It kind of has a smoky and a dryness to it. And, um, uh, like I get these, I don't know if it's in there or not. And maybe it's my imagination, but it's like these hints of kind of a caramel or a sweetness or something that's in there. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a tasty beer. I've been mean, on my second glass. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when they, cause I remember when they first launched a few like years ago, um, their smoked half of ice and, and I feel like they might've dialed back the smoke a little bit. Cause like that first batch, I remember being like, Whoa, that's really smoky. Like right. it was really, but now it's just kind of like a nice little something in there. Like it's definitely there. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of half of Eisen's too. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's a good it's a good one. So thank you, Steel and Oak. Thank you very much. Um, so to wrap things up, yeah, wrap, wrap um, up. You know, this has been, uh, you know, I, I say this, I, I say this a lot, but you know, this one was a, I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this one because, like, you know, for me taking away from this, like, this is something that I'm, like, it's something that's been entering my awareness, which is why I love what we do on this show, like some of the things that happen on, on this show is that, you know, a lot of these are, are concepts that haven't even completely solidified in my own, in my own being. Um, but you know, I come like we come across or, you know, individually, and then we share them with each other and things that I'm like, I don't know why, but I recognize this as being true. Uh, I don't quite get it yet, but let's discuss it. Let's share it and see what we we can start to, to come, come away with. And today is like one where I'm like, yeah, like I'm really feeling like I'm connecting with an idea a lot stronger after our discussion today. And, and it comes down to this notion of helping, you know, I really, I really love this whole shift in perception on on our lives hmm. and looking at our lives and, and our passions as well. Like what, what we, we love to do, the things that we love to do in our lives and, and to not dismiss them and say that they're not valid because they're probably the most valid thing. They're the most valid things that we have is our passions. You know, what, what really gets us excited in, in the world and, and to begin to look at how, what you're doing how it helps people, you know, because, you know, with the school that, you know, like launching this, you know, the Meisner school and stuff and learning how to do all of that. And it's had its challenges, but with, 
that and you know it's something that's been happening just pretty recently this idea of like like learn to see how you're helping people mm-hmm. it doesn't mean like this it, and it's not like a strategy it's actually a clarification on what it is that you're doing and man the whole shift in saying like okay how am i helping people man it just opens up so many new insights into what it is that you do and it's going to benefit it, it's in the result of it is that it's going to benefit other people and it's going to, and, and in turn, that's going to somehow come back to you. Mm. So yeah, today it's like act on your passions because they're, they are your, your most important thing to put out into the world and, and use it to help use it in a way to help people. Yeah. Use it, <clears throat> use it as a, yeah, as a way to help and experience. I mean, cause that's why you're doing it. I mean, I think you, I think that's why I love Meisner so much these days. I mean, the, the, the more I, you know, the more I understand it and I'm, you know, and it's something that I mean, Ted, I well, didn't just do Meisner, but that whole idea of like be in the moment, you know, what, you, what are you experiencing? I mean, to me, that's, I mean, those are the moments where like, when I think of acting, it's when I'm experiencing something that's the yeah. best. Right. And, uh, like I said earlier in this talk, <clears throat> I would mention how it relates to like directors and writers and artists and musicians and whatever. And I think it's really just comes down to two things, you know, I mean, <clears throat> this is where I'm at right now, but what I, what I'm realizing more and more is that you got two things going on. You got what you want to experience, not what you want to get or achieve or any of that other stuff, but what you want to experience in life. And going out and actually getting to experience these things, like, like doing it, being it, whatever. And it doesn't require a lot to do that, you know? And the other thing is, is looking at, you know, not how you can help yourself, but how you can help others. And I think like, you know, if you're, for example, a a filmmaker or a screenwriter, you know, you're, when you're making a, when you're writing your story or you're, you're directing your movie, if you're thinking about how is this going to impact the other person? How am I going to help them better understand this story, better see this story, better take it in. You know, like as a director, you're basically saying, listen, audience member, you're flying the wall. And what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to give you the right position, the position that you need to best experience this scene or this moment or whatever, where I'm going to, you know, I'm going to show it to you within this frame, which is what I have. And I'm going to light it and do these things. I'm going to, I'm going to try to you know, make sure everything in this frame lives up to what you need. If you try to do it from a place of like, I want to be this really great director who does these amazing shots. I think that you're totally missing the point. But if you come at a place of like, I really want to make sure that I communicate this idea the way it needs to be communicated. Like what trying on these audience members who would be watching your movie, what do they need to experience? What do they need to see right now? What's important to them that I make sure that I cover that capture that you know what I mean? That I make sure that this is, you know, whatever. And like as a, as a, as a writer, you know, what's, you know, for the audience that I'm writing for, for the story that I'm writing for, you know, as, as opposed to like being like, I want to be this really great writer. What's this idea I'm trying to communicate? And, and how do I, how do I, you know, and I, and I, and I think in, in, a, in a certain way, even as a writer, like when I'm writing, I don't think of it necessarily like the audience, but I, 
I'm being very empathetic when I write. I think that's what's been working for me recently because I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about the character's life. I'm actually going and I'm thinking about like a lot of time, what is their life like? And, and the more, the better writer I become, the more I start thinking about other characters, more characters, more fully in the story. And I become really empathetic of these characters, which don't really exist. But in many ways, I give them more life. For example, um, the female character, the wife in The Burning Blues, right? When I first wrote that story, she was very superficial. I hadn't thought about her a lot. Hadn't really had a lot of empathy for it, to be honest. The newest draft, I think it's getting a lot better because I'm really thinking about, like, what's her experience? What would this be like if you were if you were the wife of an undercover detective? Like, like how stressful would that be, you know? And also to think that, well, undercover, this person might have to be intimate with someone else or whatever, like, and based on where you were at in your life, how might you experience that and, and how threatened would you feel? And also, you know, if they can't tell you about certain things of the case, you know, what would that be like? You know what I mean? As opposed to like, you know, and, and, and this is, this is the empathy. And then as you do this in a weird way, it, it, it does what you need to do to give, yeah. you know? Um, but if I think about it from like, I want to write this character really well, you know what I mean? So anyway, my point is, is it relates to everything. You know, when we stop thinking about ourselves, we start experiencing it from a place of empathy, from trying on another person. I think we, we unlock the world. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Experiencing things from an outward place instead of an inward place. Yeah. And then when we're experiencing it ourselves, which I don't think is wrong or bad or anything. Yeah. That's the thing is like, you don't, that's the thing is like, you don't, you actually don't miss out on having an experience for yourself either. You actually just have a richer experience for yourself. Yeah. Cause if you know your experience is going to be just fine because you're doing what you need to do or you're doing what you love to do, then you're not going to worry about it. Like you're like, you're not going to worry about if you have a good experience, bad experience or whatever. You're just, you know, like I'm doing what I need to do. So I'm going to experience this. Right. But like, if you're worried about making sure you have the right experience, I think that's where a lot of acting schools go wrong, where they try and teach you how to have the experience. And I think that's where like the Meisner thing kind of goes, no, let's find out what your experience is. You know, like let's uncover it. We don't know what it will be. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's my thought. All right. All right. Well, all right. All right. right. Thanks again to, uh, (laughs) to the listeners at, home or jogging or <laughs> at the gym at sometimes the gym I, I sometimes listen to at the gym. people the listen gym. to podcasts in the strangest of places probably <laughs> <laughs> all right have a good one that was our show for today thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this if you enjoyed our conversation please subscribe and share with your friends and family or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com oh and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on itunes that will really help us out a lot it definitely will thanks